Hey y'all, this episode of The Sleeper and the Bust is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 17, the most authentic baseball strategy game ever made. This is the Out of the Park Baseball you've been waiting for. Not only does Out of the Park Baseball 17 feature its trademark immersion into hard hardball strategy and management experience like no other game out there, including nearly 150 years of baseball history in a single package, but it also now includes the MLBPA license for the first time, along with the returning MLB.com license. This means all the real teams, players, logos, ballparks, and more. I mean, you seriously cannot get more authentic than this. There are so many community-driven features added this year, too, that we can't even list them all. But some of the highlights include accurate 2016 opening day, major league rosters, accurate major and minor leagues with authentic names, logos, and rosters dating back over a century. I hope you all understand how incredibly awesome that is. I mean, this is a great game that you can already get replay value from with the historical context, and now you're getting the real players, the real minor leaguers. This is We're talking Michael Jordan on the Birmingham Barons. We're talking Russell Wilson on the, uh, I think it's Asheville Tourists. Again, there's also all-new historical exhibition mode that lets you realistically play teams from any year and era against each other in a single game or series. Accurate representation of 2016 MLB faces showing their emotions and aging over time thanks to the MLBPA license and face gen technology. Beautiful improved visuals on and off the field and again so much more that we can't even get to. Even better, if you pre-order now, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to ootpdevelopments.com and clicking on the pre-order banner. Then you enter the code SLEEPER17, S-L-E-E-P-E-R-1-7, at checkout, and not only do you get a discount, but also help support Sleeper in the Bust. Indie sports video game development and all the people who bring who work to bring you the great game of Out of the Park Baseball 17. It's really kind of a, a, a win-win-win situation at that point. Once again, that's ootpdevelopments.com. Click on the pre-order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER17 at checkout for a special dis- discount to support the show. Thirteen of the sleeper in the bust. It is Wednesday, February twenty fourth. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going, my man? I'm doing good. Reporting from sunny Hawaii. I'm here on the Big Island. With my family. I'm really jealous. That's uh, that's a nice place to be. I've never been to Hawaii, so I guess I'm just assuming it's a nice place to be. Uh, I, I imagine you're getting in the, the the vacation before the grind. Yep, just a just a little bit of one. That's kind, that's kind of a smart idea, I should say. Um, well, we've got baseball to talk about, Eno, and you know, I feel like we get closer and closer. Obviously, we do. That's how time works. But uh, <laughs> it seems to be ramping up exponentially is what I should say. It seems like you know, the, the, the time passed is not commensurate with how much closer it feels with pitchers and catchers reporting. We're getting videos. I just love even the, the little vines of guys playing catch. It's that sound. 
it's almost here. And we're actually getting some viable news. Obviously, there's still free agent signing. We're going to get in a little bit of that. But just these little tidbits of news, some of it you got to kind of throw away. Other pieces of it mean stuff. But also today, and you come up with this idea and I like it, we're going to talk a bit about spring training at large and, and where you can glean some value from it uh, that when you're watching the games and maybe take it into the draft table, into the draft room with you. Because, you know, we talk in general terms and say it's meaningless. And I've, I've said that as much as anybody. I, told, I, I get that feeling. That's just kind of the broad scope and that you can't take too much from it. But it is not entirely meaningless. And we're going to dive into a little bit um, as to how it's not. But first, let's get to some of this news. You know, uh, we got a big signing, Dexter Fowler, out to Baltimore on a big deal, uh, while they also try to rework their Giovanni Gallardo deal. Let's start with Fowler, and then we'll get to this Gallardo mess. What do you think about Fowler out to Baltimore? I think it's a good spot for him to take advantage of that additional power that he showed last year, which I think is probably sustainable when it comes to approach. I don't know about, uh, you know, necessarily the athleticism behind it, but it, and just turning 30, I don't think it's such a big deal. But he, he basically just started pulling the ball more. And um, I think that's going to play well in, in Baltimore. I think he's going to retain a lot of those, uh, a lot of that power burst that he saw from pulling the ball more and putting the ball in the air more. Yeah, I know there's some concern about Baltimore in general. You know, when people are starting to do their projections of the American League, they fall near the bottom, but it's a really tight American League, and it's certainly not because of their offense. It's really more pitching related. So even if you are a little bit tepid on Baltimore at large, I think you can be confident in the offense. So I think this is a really good move for Fowler. Very excited about him at the top of that lineup with Manny Machado, Chris Davis, Jonathan Scope, Matt Wieters. Um, I'm sure Mark Trumbo. I mean, it's just a solid lineup through and through. There are not too many uh, tough or not too many light spots in there for pitchers to navigate. So I think Fowler's a great addition. Really good use of their resources there. Quite different from the way I felt about the Giovanni Gallardo deal, which currently is up in the air. And frankly, I think it'd be a good thing for them if it fell through. Uh, they're looking at a three-year, I think, $35 million deal, something around there. But, of course, the toughest physical in the world to pass, Baltimore's, has the uh, has the deal in doubt right now. They're saying they, they found something with his shoulder. What did you think about this when you saw the move, and, and where do you stand now as as it's in in limbo? Well, I think we were pretty negative on this one when it was first coming through. I don't think that I've necessarily changed my opinion on that. He, you know, he doesn't really have any pitch that's really going for him. And the only thing he really has going for him is all those innings he's thrown. And uh, like we said before, that requires someone to give him those innings. So if, he's, if the performance goes down any further, then he's not going to get those innings. It won't matter how healthy he is. So I, I, uh, I think he's a bit of a borderline guy. And if they're finding out that maybe he's not as healthy, as healthy as they thought he was, or that's maybe just the Orioles being crazy because they do this all the time. Uh, but I, either way, it doesn't make me feel that great about his chances this year. No, it really doesn't. Um, you know, he's just changing as a pitcher, Gallardo is. You know, he was more of a strikeout power pitcher early with Milwaukee, and he's kind of transitioned as he's gotten older into a little bit more uh, of a finesse, crafty pitcher working on the uh, on the ground ball rate and things like that. So, yeah, maybe he can continue to kind of uh, outperform his, his metrics a little bit, but I just don't know that he can continue to do so to the level that we've seen so far. And if he's not, you know, posting a mid-threes ERA or better, 
what, what's he doing? That's the thing. He has to have a good ERA because that's really the only thing he offers. His strikeout rate isn't very good. Um, his whip is is downright bad. There just isn't a lot that we're getting out of Giovanni Gallardo. And so if you can't believe in the ERA, you got nothing to go off of. So I, I like I said, I feel like they're better off if they actually figure a way out of that move. I, I made a joke uh, with our colleague Brandon Warren saying that, Maybe they don't really have that rigorous of a uh, of a physical, but instead they do these signings pending physical to test the reaction. And when the reaction is horrible, then they're like, oh, we found something on the physical. Because I've heard this on MLB Network from guys like John Smoltz and, and uh, other former pitchers. If you want to find something that can be like a seen as an issue – you pretty much can after a couple years in the majors for any pitcher. So they could be nitpicky. I'm kind of joking about the whole, you know, they're, they're, the reaction was bad, so they're pushing off of it. But at the same time, I mean, the reaction has been so bad that maybe they're figuring, hey, can we figure a way out of this? You know, if you put it in tandem with the Fowler signing, then the pick that they lose for signing Gallardo doesn't seem as big of a deal. Sure. I mean, they're both, they're both quality they're, they're both quality players to some degree and signing them both and losing just one pick or, or losing or losing a less uh, bad pick. So basically, once you've chosen to lose the pick, then you might as well sign as many free agents as you can. You know, Th- that's definitely true. Like when it's Gallardo by himself and he costs the first, that's a bummer. But, you know, you add in Fowler, he costs a second and it almost starts to balance it out. The problem is, though. This is a farm system that can ill afford to lose picks. It's really thin right now. And so that's that's a, that's a the main reason I hated the Gallardo deal, to be honest, was because it cost them the pick. They should have allocated these resources elsewhere. I just would, for their sake, thought they should have been higher up in the market. I really like the Fowler signing, but I think that first pick uh, should have gone to somebody else or, or should have been spent on somebody else, maybe like a Justin Upton or whatever, even though obviously my favorite team got Justin Upton, so I'm not mad about that. Uh, I mentioned the medicals and, and that, that being a holdup with this Gallardo deal. We're actually seeing it be a holdup in another potential trade, and that's a, a Jay Bruce trade that is a reported potential three-way deal. Uh, it wasn't his fault, though. Apparently it was one of the prospects involved in that deal that was supposed to be between Toronto, Cincinnati, and the Angels. So they are still trying to trade Jay Bruce. So do you think they get a deal done and and get him out of there before the season starts? You know, with the with the with the leaks already out there and with all the information already out there and the fact that they even said something like we'd like to trade Bruce this spring, I think it's it's going to happen. And uh, you know, as long as he doesn't end up in Anaheim, I feel like he's the, the places he's rumored to go are are decent for his power. Uh, and so, therefore, you know, probably not that big a deal for his value either way. But I do think that, and, and yes, it wasn't his health that that really hurt him. But I do think it has been his health that has hurt him. Yes, that, that's <laughs> so it's not his fair. health that scuttled this deal. But ever but since he hurt his knee, yeah. ever since he hurt his knee, he hasn't been the same guy, and he's pulling the ball on the ground more. He can't get the ball in the air. And what really worries me about that is, you know, he had that knee injury in 2014, and his ground ball weight rate went through the roof. And I asked him about that, and he said, yeah, when the knee is unstable, you get on top of the ball and just pound that thing into the ground. It's because you're trying to do too much with your upper half. You're not doing enough with your lower half. All that sounded uh, fine. And then he, he said, look at the second half. I've recovered, basically, and and." You know, my ground ball, fly ball rate is normal. 
And that was true to an extent, but for the year, it was still bad. And then when he went into 2015, his ground ball rate spiked in the second half again. So I don't know, you know, even talking to Joey Votto, he talked about how his leg injuries would leak into other years and, you know, talked to uh, to Brandon Moss about this and how, you know, he had the hip surgery, but because of that, he wouldn't, wasn't able to work out the way he would normally in the off season. And so he was still having lingering hip issues deep into the season last year. So, you know, just the fact that Bruce has hurt this knee, this may be a thing that hurts him the rest of his career, or at the very least, it's something that he's dealing with now. Maybe he could get healthy again, and then he would actually be a candidate to beat his projections because once you know you kind of deal with the, the problem, uh, you can't actually the, the projections are only going to see that you were bad. They were not going to see that you were hurt. Certainly. So you know, if he gets healthy, there's there is a, ch- a small chance that he beats his projections and is a valuable player this year. But given that it's been two years in a row now where he's hitting like 220, you know, it's kind of hard to bet on him. It really is. That makes it tough to bet on Bruce. The power's there, but with power kind of spiking upward across the league, it really cut into his potential value there because, you know, even just a couple years before, his power would have been so valuable that you take the hit on the batting average. Now you're kind of like, eh, I got to push him down the list. That team is terrible. So if he does stay in Cincinnati, uh, the, the team context is just really poor. Uh, so it, it, it's he's a tough buy right now. But hopefully the market uh, kind of understands that at large because I don't really think his price is outsized. So you can get Jay Bruce at a discount maybe, but I'm not chasing him by any stretch of the imagination in the draft room. Uh, let's talk a little bit about a few different pieces of news uh, that aren't necessarily transaction related. Start with Carlos Santana and Terry Francona mentioning that he's considered leading Santana off. And obviously that's uh, a little bit unconventional. We know that generally speed or, or uh, speed and contact guys tend to tend to bat lead off, but this is because of his great on base percentage. Uh, Carlos Santana is a guy who's always been able to take walks and get on base. I kind of like it. Uh, obviously, for, from a standpoint of Santana's value, it would be great. Anybody, anytime you get a guy leading off, those extra plate appearances would be tremendous. But even just as a as a strategy, as an idea, I, w- I would be fine with it personally. Where would you stand on Carlos Santana leading off for the uh, for the Cleveland Indians? He is actually a good base runner. Yes, and it's something underrated. That, yeah, it's something that people forget. They they kind of I think they kind of look at his batting average on balls in play and his batting and averages his body. And, and his body and his power and just assume that he he's not a good base runner. But the reason his BABIP is low is because he hits a lot of fly balls. It's not necessarily because he's slow. You know, he has 30 stolen bases, but that's not really the full extent of it. He's, you know, and even his base running value is a little bit low. But in terms of, uh, you know, what he does on the base pass, it's not as bad as, as some people think. So I, I think that's a, an okay idea. Uh, and I think it is maximizing uh, on base percentage. And uh, I think it'd probably be better just to put him second. Cause it's not like Jason Kipnis. Jason Kipnis is a better runner is going to have just as much of an OBP and uh, has less power. So, yeah, you but know, my, my concern is that it, w- it, that's not the choice. It's not between those two. My concern is that it's between, uh, somebody like Santana or, uh, Rajay Davis. Which, you know, with the platoon advantage, because Rajay Davis lefties, against sure, lefties. But he's going to, he might end up being a foolish time player because their outfield is so freaking bad, as we've yeah. talked about. 
So that'd be my yeah. I mean, the other choice I think would be Lindor. Yeah. And Lindor did have a 350 on base percentage and profiles as their classic leadoff hitter, but I think most of us feel like he was a little bit over his head. That was the best batting average on balls in play he'd ever had in his career, you know, over 20 over 20 innings. So that's including the minor leagues. So I think, you know, when that regresses, the projections have him at 319 to 330, making Kipnis and Santana both better options. So I think, you know, personally for me, uh, it would be sort of ideal actually to go Kipnis Santana. You know, you got a little bit more you got a little bit more base running out of yeah. Kipnis in the front. And uh, you got about the same on base percentage, and you got more power, Santana. That, you know, you get that one-two punch. That's pretty good. I and definitely. Then, then it gets deeper when Brantley comes back, and it's a it's a decent lineup. But it really does. If 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 Brantley gets back in a timely fashion, which you know some aggressive talks are saying maybe late April, early early May. I almost said early March. Um, you know, if he gets back in a, in a timely manner, all of a sudden you're looking at the top of that lineup, and it's pretty good, and it starts to run a lot deeper. Uh, particularly because you're adding such a big piece to that, again, very bad outfield right now. Let's move on and talk about Pablo Sandoval. It must be that time of the year, late February, early March, because we're fat-shaming Pablo Sandoval with the annual picture of of his belly, I guess. I mean, (laughs) it's every single year, and I guess, like, man, people get so geeked about it, and I'm like, I don't get it. Has it really impacted his play? Now, he was bad last year, but was it because he was, you know, portly? Because he was portly all those other years, too, and he was a well above average player with San Francisco. So I don't know. How do you utilize this, or how do you view this, uh, this Pablo Sandoval, this annual tradition of discussing his weight? Is there any way to leverage it in the fantasy market? You know, I think maybe he's not as bad of a pick as some people think he is going into this year. You know, I do think his weight is important, but he's only 29 years old. So the reason that weight is important, I think, and I've I've looked at the aging curves and I've written about this a lot. I think one of the reasons that the weight is a problem is injury, staying on the field, and sort of, you know, the the Mm mid-30s. You know, I think, so I think, you know, Three years from now is going to be a bad time to own Pablo Sandoval. That's fair. But in in terms of like you know mid career bouncing back ability to do what he does, which is just sort of sharp contact, good batting average kind of stuff, you know I think he can get back to that. And not a lot of people are giving him that credit. And the reason that I think that is because he's already done it. You know he's he's a he's a guy who's bounced back before. Exactly. And, you know, it's not it is a little bit more of a bounce back than he's had to than he's had to do in the past. Yeah. That but, was, last year was Pablo Sandoval's worst year for sure. Yeah. But um, let me see here. I wrote about this and uh, I have a, some sort of stat about this. But yeah, uh, Pablo Sandoval had a 270 batting average on balls in play last year, which was 37 points below his career mark. I mean, there has to be, I don't know. I feel like people just as a general, as a general idea, the, the fantasy baseball community has been like maybe waiting for him to fall off and, and they want to blame it on the weight. So anytime there is that, that crack in the st- statistics, I think it's instantly, okay, well, he's too fat. He sucks. Now he can never play again. 
and I just think it's a bit of an overreaction. I think that Sandoval is somebody who could end up being pretty sharp value in the market this year. The Here's the stat. So Pablo Sandoval has already had the 12th biggest bounce back in baseball in baseball history. Oh, wow. He's already, already done that. In 2010, his WRC 11, Plus yeah. was, was 96. And in 2011, his WRC Plus was 149. And uh, the total up, down, uh, you know, the, the down, up, and back again, the total movement was up there with uh, Mark McGuire had a bounce back season like this, Alex Rios. And I think Alex Rios is actually, a, a, it's, he's so different than Pablo Sandoval. But in, in, in terms of how he is at the plate, he's actually not that different. And I think what you see from these guys are they're a little bit reliant on the bouncing ball. They put the ball in play. They don't have a lot of patience, and they have a power that kind of oscillates. You know, mm-hmm. you know, for the career it's about average, but in certain seasons they've had power outbreaks and and power and and power stepbacks. And probably from an approach standpoint, they may not be the most cerebral of guys. Having talked to both of these guys, I think they're a little bit more just get up there and 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 get going good. You know, so I think um, I think Alex Rios and, and Pablo Sandoval are good are good guys to compare now Alex Rios in the middle of his career was actually a decent pick some years if you picked him coming off of the the bad year and going into the good year and uh and so that's why I think Sandoval you know just as relevant to Sandoval's future though as his weight is the fact that he loves hitting he 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 actually produces on balls outside of the zone and he and he makes good contact on those that's the sort of Josh Hamilton skill set that ages really poorly so Look at you, Mr. Segway. We're gonna tra- we're gonna transition right into uh, to Josh Hamilton there with that. Well, one. anyway, just to, to to finish up with him, um, you know, Sandoval has already had the 12th biggest bounce, and if he bounces back to where he's projected this year, um, you know, uh, they they wouldn't even make the top 10. You know, they, oh, wow. they, you know, Pablo wouldn't even make the top 10 himself again. So it's we're not asking him to do what he did before. We're asking we're asking him to do what he did before, but not on the same level. You know? exactly. So. So, you know, I, I think the projections are, are, are believable in this case. I don't think he's ready to just fall off the off the planet. You know, I'd be more worried about a guy like Mike Napoli in a way um, because of the, the, their relative ages, the ballpark situations, you know, the teams behind them and stuff like that. You know, but but Pablo himself at 29 years old in that ballpark, I think it's a decent year to get him. Actually, couldn't agree more. To be honest, uh, I might, I may or may not be in the midst of an auction where I got him. I may, I may, <laughs> I may or may not be. Who's to say? Who's to say? An $11 AL only at that too. So. You know, I thought that that was a great move. I mentioned that we were going to transition right into Josh Hamilton. To the shock of probably nobody in the universe, he's going to start the season on the DL. Injuries have just played plagued him so hard uh, toward this latter half of his career here. <clears throat> Pardon me. And obviously, we we can't speculate too much on on how much the 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 drug issues that you know kind of almost completely ravaged his career. We don't know how much that plays a role, but it's, it'd be hard to suggest that it doesn't play any sort of role in terms of maybe breaking down the body a little bit quicker than than normal. So I think it's just going to be a chronic situation with Hamilton, but it could open some doors elsewhere. How do you how do you interpret this Josh Hamilton starting on the DL news as it relates to the rest of the Rangers outfield? 
yeah, it's, it's nothing but bad news for him. I mean, it's like the sixth operation he's had on, on his knees. So, I mean, he's, he's on his way out. And, you know, whatever you can get from him, I think he's only at this point a sort of a daily play when healthy in the right situation against, against a righty yeah. at home. You know, that's, that's about it. And, uh, and, and maybe in your deeper leagues where you have a deep bench, you can hold him and wait for, you know, to get maybe 12 to 15 homers out of him with a 250 average. You know, it's just really not very useful. But what it does do is it does actually open the door for more exciting guys, I think. Yes. So, you know, I think that that's exciting. And I think that the fact that it's out of spring training is actually good news for the young guys. Because if it was, if this happened, if they started the season, he's healthy, they've built a team and they say, okay, we're winning now. Hamilton's our left fielder with Reggiano as his platoon mate. That's a, that's a veteran situation that we put together. Well, they can't do that right now because they can't start the season like that. So if they're going to be grasping at straws, do you think they're really going to say, okay, Ryan Rua, you're just going to, you know, get in there. Uh, he's a righty, so that's, that's not a good, okay. They could do it with Joey Gallo, who's a lefty, but that's already more exciting, I think, than Josh Hamilton. Absolutely. And then, you know, beyond Joey Gallo, if Joey Gallo gets outplayed in in this by uh, fellow rookies or, or fellow prospects, Nomar Mazzara or Lewis Brinson, then that's the real exciting part. Oh. Because, you know, Nomar Mazzara, you know, he's not projected to be great, 250 batting average, uh, you know, with sort of league average type power. However... That's just projection saying he's still a minor leaguer. Don't worry about him. You know exactly uh, what what he looks like he could do is do enough contact, spray the ball around, have a really nice batting average, and hit you know fifteen to twenty homers and steal five bases. That'd be like a full season thing that I that I think is believable from him. And then whereas he's kind of smooth and and fun fun to watch from a, a smoothness standpoint. There's Lewis Brinson, who is the uh, he's the, the powerful, you know, guy with the stolen bases, can play center field. I mean, Lewis Brinson is really exciting, and what we just need to watch is if his strikeout rate stays about the same and um, and, and doesn't explode into that 25, 30 percent, you know, Joey Gallo territory. Exactly. So it's fun that they have these two different guys. I think one is going to be more likely to have good patience and contact ability and be kind of a smoother player. And then have this other guy who has all the upside in the world because he's, you know, he had a 291 ISO in A ball and a 255 ISO in, in double A, stolen a bunch of bases, played center field, and has been improving his strikeout rate. So, you know, I think Brinson is the gold mine. He's, he's one of the best prospects in baseball, I think. And um, especially if he keeps that strikeout rate good, Mazzara is as well. And that's, I think, maybe a segue for us in terms of into the value of spring training because this is going to be a battle this spring training i think i think we're gonna have these young guys and we're gonna have gallo saying look at me i'm not done yet Mm -hmm. and the prize is basically starting starting in left field for the rangers yeah i think that is a great call and yeah you're the king of the transitions today because that is going to get us into our strategy section talking about spring training and trying to get the most out of it obviously we're geeked to get baseball back on the tv but for me i know it kind of lasts a week and then I'm not watching the games so much as they become ambient noise unless there's a pitcher I want to check out or some at-bats from a youngster. The first, like like I said, that first week, I'm legitimately watching 
a lot of these games, like way too deep into them too. Like number 68 is pitching to number 84. And I'm like, cool, cool. Yeah, this is the best. And then again, it dies down and we start to back off a little bit, maybe start to look at things from afar. So let's try to figure out how to get some value out of spring training to take it into the draft room with us. First off, let's ask a general question of you. You know, is it more valuable spring training? Is it more valuable for batters or pitchers? Well, batters have always told me that they need about two weeks to stretch out, and spring training is twice to three times that's that length. So I think that, you know, batters mostly don't want to be there. Yes, I think that's accurate. <laughs> I think they talk, you see their Twitter feeds, they're talking about saying goodbye to their children, and, and uh, you know, you, talk, you see the beat writers, and the beat writers are talking about how terrible spring training is. I think that's, what, that's mostly sort of the, the position player's aspect. And then pitchers, though, I think for the most part have, have told me they do need about four weeks to stretch out. And if you look at the way that their spring training starts are segmented, I think you see it pretty easily. They get out there the first time, it's like two to three innings, you know. And That's, then, yeah. Gotta build you, know, you know, then you can see it every start after that, you know, just another inning or so. And then, you know, that last couple of weeks, they actually get out there. And, and do like six to seven to eight inning stints. So I do think the pitchers need it. They need, they need it to, to try out new pitches. That's a really big thing for them because they can't try out new pitches against quality opponents like this in camp, not in the same way, not in the same sort of, you know, let's get these outs, let's get these runs kind of way. You know, if you're, if you're you know, Zach Greinke and you're playing around with a cutter or something, you, you're not going to finish it the same way against Goldschmidt in an in-house game as you are against, you know, Yasiel Puig in a, in a, in a spring training game. That's you know. a good call. So, yeah. so I, I, think, I think it's more important for pitchers. By the way, that gives us a, a chance to pimp the, uh, the new pitch tracker that we're running with Jason Collette. He did this last year on, on the uh, Roto Drunkie message board um, and kind of kept track of them. And now we've moved it over here to Rotographs. It is under the draft tools. There's a submit file that you uh, a link to. So if you see somebody is working on a new pitch or something, you click on that, fill it out, and it'll send it over to Jason. We're going to monitor all of them. Uh, we got the source for all of them and we kind of get an idea of what guys are going to be bringing into the season plus he included the ones that he looked at last year as well as the article that he had for the follow-up piece to kind of show here's here's the results of it because it's one thing you know it's not quite best shape of their life slash i'm going to steal more bases this year it's definitely a little bit more important than that but for some of them, it is a little bit of fluff in terms of I'm going to use this pitch. They try it out for two starts and then they scrap it entirely. So it is something that you kind of monitor throughout spring, but check that out under our draft tools. Let's move on to the next question. Well, so, no, I think, oh, I think go ahead. you know, just a, a, little leader, a little leaderboard of spring training, spring training uh, uh, quotes or, or pieces of information you get from spring training. Here's a, here's a mini leaderboard. At the bottom of the leaderboard is best shape of your life. <laughs> uh, I think second to bottom might actually be lineup slot because as much as we do talk about it and as much as lineup slot matters, I think it's one of the things that changes the most over the course of the season. Especially and, these days. I feel like uh, you know maybe a decade ago, lineups were a little bit more stable. Maybe this is anecdotal and I'm, uh, there's stats out there that say I'm full of crap, but I, I'm... Oh, that'd be interesting to look at, actually. I think we could probably have the stats on that. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at 
just there seems to be a lot of tinkering. I mean, Joe exactly. Joe Madden is kind of like the 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 patron saint or the spirit animal of, of sure. today's manager, and he's the tinkerer uh, extraordinaire. So. Yeah, I would, I would say that, and also, uh, I think there's just a, a sort of sense of better players just gravitating towards the top of the lineup. It may not be leadoff for Carlos Santana, but if he's playing well in spring training, then it'll be two. And the difference between one and two is a few plate appearances. So, And it's still better yeah. than five, which is kind of where he's been, you know? Right. But he played some two last year, and, and you know, it, it's, it's a little too much to get too wrapped up in that, especially with how bad it is to project runs on RBI and how difficult that is and and how much team context and game to game context and health context all that stuff is in there so if you're adding in this next layer of where it's going to hit in the lineup you're just it's it's imprecision on top of imprecision but in any case I would say that's the the next one up I think is uh, I'm going to steal more the reason that I put it above lineup slot is because in order to steal more you actually have to have the motivation to steal more yeah yeah there so, has to be some desire right so you know mike trout telling us he's going to steal more is actually somewhat interesting to me it it, it 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 gives me the chance to say okay maybe i'll bump him up a steal or two because projections have to be you're supposed to be you're supposed to rein it in when you're when you're working on that level so maybe i'm just going to bump it up a steal or two but it might also just in my head say okay you know trout's going to give me maybe like 15 this year which is instead of going the other way and giving me five, he's saying this is a, a point of em- emphasis for me, and I'm and I'm thinking about it. So, um, you know, I, you know, I'm not sure it's going to be a big deal, but I'm not sure that any of these are a big deal. Uh, next up, I think is probably uh, new pitch. I think that that has the potential to be number one on this leaderboard, but the problem with new pitch is this is still spring training, and they may not. They may not bring that to the table when they when the real games start. Exactly. You know, they they can throw all their the things the critters the whatever they've got. <laughs> yeah, going. all the crazy names that they come up with for them. Yeah, they can throw their knuckleballs all spring, but until they actually float that knuckler out in an actual major league game where the stats count, I think that that's a big jump. But knowing that a guy is breaking out in spring, at least it's like okay, here this guy's. Thinking about it, it's like the I'm going to steal more bases. He's he's got an he's got an idea. He's got a point of emphasis. He might have a new changeup this year. It's not saying he is. But he's saying he is, but he might have one. And you know, also a word about this. This is super organic. Spring training feels like a moment where we re- reset, and it's a new year. And so last year was last year, and this year is this year, and things are very different. But if you look at, there's a story right now about Sean Doolittle about him throwing a split finger more often, right? And and the stories, because it's spring, are Sean Doolittle has a new pitch. You know, he's going to throw the split finger. So I was like, oh, that's yeah, a great idea. I, I don't know why I haven't talked to him about this. And then I looked at an old piece, and I was like, oh, yeah, he told me he was throwing a split finger last year. You're like, oh. Already, already. <laughs> so maybe he would have done it last year more, except for the fact that he wasn't really playing. And then when he did get back, he was probably just focusing on the fastball to get that velocity back yeah. up for Doolittle oh, anyway. Oh, for sure. I, I actually had him clarify on, on Twitter, and he said, well, last year was sort of research and development, and this year we feel like we're really ready for testing. That's really so. Funny. You know, you know, and I think that is a good way to think about it. Is like a lot of a lot of these pitches that that pitchers say they have, you know, they they just don't trust yet, and so they have to throw it a couple times and see good results, and then they they'll throw it some more. And spring training is a good time for that. So if you get that confluence, I think 
Doolittle's new pitch is actually a decent one for meaningfulness because if he ever if he could add you know like a 90 mile an hour breaking pitch basically or an off speed pitch that offset his 95 mile an hour fastball especially a splitter that dove a little bit while his fastball rides and and jumps up in the zone i think that would create a lot of separation same release point same kind of release mechanics off a split finger and a regular fastball so you know, there would be the same amount of deception. I think people, it could be very good for him. So, uh, and, and the fact that he's been throwing it before, I think is also a good thing. It means that he really, he really believes in this pitch and it's not just some knuckleball. Number one, though, on this leaderboard is playing time, playing time, playing time. Yeah, absolutely. If, you, if you're seeing stories about guys who are going to play more or, or just kind of following the angles for playing time, that, that is the currency, particularly in today's game. And I think it relates back to that other point about lineup tinkering. Uh, again, back in the day, they were a little, little bit more stable, so the guys who were in were kind of in. These days, not only is there playing time opportunities for guys in spring training, but even as the season gets going, you might get a few cracks here to see what you're at. How good are you? Can you can you make something out of these uh, six games that you're playing to get even more games down the line? Playing time is the biggest issue or, or the biggest uh, value these days that you can find because nobody plays 162 anymore. There's like two or three guys every year. Mm-hmm. So yeah. You, you need guys that are going to be playing. And the deeper your leagues are, the more important it is to know who the fourth outfielders are. Absolutely. Who, who, who the platoon guys are. You know, I, I think that's uh, I think that's a big thing. And also, I think that bleeds into, I'm not sure that we necessarily put this on the show as a, a thing we were going to exactly talk about. But if you're talking about, like, what sort of stats to look at in spring. Yeah, that, actually, think, that, was, that was next. Was Hey! Yeah, you, look at me. Shower you, you, me you with praise it. for my transitions today. So your 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 transitions are on point. I will say though, there is a cheat sheet, so I mean, you must not be looking at it. But <laughs> I'm not actually. It's, it's less impressive when folks know that there is a sheet that has everything. But yes, that was next. And, and no, so, I, I, I'm I, curious I what important. you think are the best stats to look at uh, to get well, some value or get some you uh, actually, knowledge. You can actually look at my leaderboard that I just created. A totally scientific leaderboard, uh, data driven. Uh, and just know exactly what stat is most important. Plate appearances. There you go. I know that it can work against a player. If they play, if they play a ton and they're not playing well, it can work against them. Sure. But the, the fact that they're getting a lot of plate appearances says the manager is looking for something. Exactly. The manager wants to see him in a certain role and wants to see if he can do something for him. So, you know, I, I think plate appearances is number one. I almost think that everything else is a little bit sam- uh, small sample and then also just has this terrible dirtiness of those 6th, 7th, 8th inning pitchers where they're just bringing up guys who aren't even top prospects because top prospects need to, you know, their their innings are very much, you know, taken care of and curated and all that. So in, in, it's like guys that might be 7th starters this year might be 10th starters. So, you know, that thing that that does screw up a lot of the outcome numbers, ISO, you know, slugging percentage, home runs, all that stuff. I, I've seen some work that suggests that a big jump in ISO is good for a player. Yes. But I, I think the effect of that is small. And I've also seen some work that says that that might not be necessarily true. And, and I think even the author of it stepped back. It was, um, uh, famous authors. I can't think of right now, but, um, uh, any case, I what I would look at if I looked at any stat other than plate appearances is probably strikeouts and walks. 
because on both sides, right, for pitchers and yeah, pitchers. yeah, because strikeouts and walks uh, only take about 150 plate appearances on either side, and your full spring is not quite 150 plate appearances, but it's it's close enough where you can say, whoa, you know, like I think Jan Gomes is the kind of guy where like. Whoa, this guy was supposed to strike out 30% of the time, and he just spent spring striking out like 8% of the time. Where you, and that, I think that was sort of a presage to you know, the new Jan Gomes that we've seen since. Yeah, and then he had a huge season, and the only thing that really cut him down last year for Jan Gomes was injury. Yeah, so I, I think uh, strikeouts and walks. And then on the pitching side, I mean, it's totally obvious. I mean, we know that strikeouts and walks are the best in-season predictor, and, uh, and it's the simplest thing, and you're just really – you're taking out of the equation the fact that they're, you know, 28 year old triple A shortstop who's not really a shortstop was playing shortstop that day. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it's like, yeah, he gave up a lot of hits. Or, and, and this is another thing that's important and, and can screw up the strikeouts minus walk stuff, but I think by focusing on strikeouts minus walks, you still look away from this, which is like a, Carlos Rodon is going to throw a million changeups this spring, you know, and his spring numbers may not be good. But, Except, yes, this is a great point. Continue. But if, uh, and, and I don't want to, if his strikeouts minus walks are still okay, and he's just giving up, you know, some hits on the changeup, the fact that he, if, if, I, if I see him spend, see the spring, you know, as a league leader in strikeouts minus walks, and he's throwing the changeup a lot, and his ERA sucks, I think I will, I'm not sure that I would improve his stock much because I already have him around 50th best. But I would feel better about it. I would say, this is a good spring for Carlos Rodon. Don't worry about the 5 ERA. No, I, t- so, I, totally, I totally agree there. You don't want to get – this is, this is a great point with pitchers because when they are working on particular pitches, sometimes they'll just throw them pretty much regardless of situation. You know, it's not yeah. a, a change-up count. Who cares? Change-up, change-up, change-up. Boom, boom, boom. Maybe some guys get some hits. So that's another thing. You've got to kind of be mindful. You can never just take the stats – uh, by themselves, you got you got to have context, which is obviously the same as regular season plays. So I'm not really breaking any ground when I say that. Just reiterating it in case anyone thinks that oh, I'll just go look at the uh, the standings and sort by plate appearances, and then look at strikeouts and walks, and kind of go from there. You still need the extra context, particularly with a pitcher who might be working on some stuff that caused him to maybe get bombed out in one of his starts, and then of course one bad start in spring can really inflate your ERA. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, now, we already talked about looking at lineups, best stats. Do you adjust the numbers for who they came off of? Like, do, do you get that granular where you're like, okay, Chris Bryant hit nine spring training homers last year, but three were against this guy. You know, these guys down here, two of them were against double A dudes. He had one off of, uh, you know, a, a, a hitter who was pitching. It's, you know, do you do any of that or you just say, you know what? He had nine bombs and 40 at bats, a 1652 OPS. His, sky, his uh, stock is skyrocketing, but I get it. Let's move on. How, how detailed do you get in terms of figuring out how the numbers were acquired? I don't think I would. I don't think I would even say any of those things. I don't have the time for that <laughs> noise, to be honest. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, if I'm just being flat out honest, uh, maybe there's value to it. I don't necessarily think so. But even if there was, I ain't got time for that. Yeah. I suppose you know it's a really a question, and it's a larger question, of how much we should control for quality of opponent in any number. And how much that should be in our pitching war, and how much that should be in our hitting war, and all that stuff. And and it, you know, it's something that Dan Heron always bugged me about. He said, 
If I did this against the Detroit Tigers and then I went out the next day and did this against the Miami Marlins, why would you give me more credit for the work against the Marlins? And I said, you know, it's a good point, but it, it's the same thing as I don't have time for this. It's, it's really hard. And maybe we can do it. I've seen some people try, starting to try it. But it's really hard to estimate the, the, val, the, the, the actual true talent of, the, of anyone, and especially when it comes to in this one matchup. So, you know, what kind of a lineup did the Tigers put out there? What type of lineup did the Marlins put out there? You know, and what was the true talent of those lineups in the context of the season, the last month, the last week? You know, these things are changing. Are you going to use preseason projections to say, okay, that Detroit team was way better than the Marlins team? You're going to use preseason projections, but then you also have the amount of information you have since the preseason started. So, you know, there's a, it's very difficult to do, and I wouldn't suggest doing it. If you want, and, and especially, let's throw another stat out there that is, that is enough of a context for me to, to, to throw away a lot of spring training stats, which is age. So if you've got a guy who comes into spring training, it's one of his last chances to, to, make, to do anything, think of like a Darren Roof type or something. Okay. Let's say Darren Roof comes into spring training and knocks the snot out of the ball. <laughs> you know what? He's 28, 29. He's done the spring training thing. He knows he's, you know, got one leg out of baseball, or could be the hair, the, the, the hair apparent to, um, to, to uh, uh, what's his face, uh, Ryan Howard when he leaves town. So, you know, he has a lot to gain from a good spring. He could come in there, mash the heck out of the ball, look at the age, look at the strikeouts minus walks, and then say, okay, you know what? He's pretty much the same Darren Roof as ever, and he's 28. Now, if another guy comes in and it's more like the Schwarber-Bryant situation where you've got like a 22-year-old who may or may not make the team, like let's say Nomar Mazar or Lewis Brinson come into spring, right? Mm -hmm. And they have a job that's waiting for them, but they are young and they're doing well and their strikeouts minus walks look good. That would, that would open my eye a little bit. I'd say, okay, we've got a perfect confluence here of lots of playing time for the young guy. Uh, a playing time role that's waiting there for him, pedigree, age, and okay, I may say something about how he's raking in the spring. You know what I mean? It's like Absolutely. the fifth. It's like the fifth thing I'll say. It's certainly not the first thing. And by the way, this none of this, just like the stuff with, that we're talking about in regular season, is is one hundred percent because you know for all the Chris Bryant's. Uh, you know, Josh Donaldson had a big spring last year. I know J.D. Martinez did. For all those that worked, now that we can go back and look at it, I think Mike Zunino had seven or eight spring home runs. There's a dude on KC who I bet I bet two-thirds at least of the listening audience, and maybe even you, have never heard of. This dude named Brett Eibner. I'm fairly certain on these numbers, and I can't pull them up. But I want to say he hit like 500 for 40 at-bats. With five or six homers, and you know, it's like, cool. This guy, you know, raked out of his mind, but he's just some, you know, not real, not not a major prospect. Had peaked at at double or triple, might have had some triple A time, but either way, wasn't really a threat to do anything. So it's not like you're taking Brett Eibner into your into your AL only auction and figuring I got to get this guy. So again, like everything else, you can't just use it as a as a fits everybody kind of rule you still have to kind of go by context and look at it you know chris bryant just kept mashing and looked great i started buying into the hype i usually try to cool off spring hype but i'm looking i'm like 
Okay, I get it. I, I understand what this guy's doing here. So you got to go kind of case by case still. I know that makes for more work, but um, that's just kind of the way it has to be, or else these spring numbers can lead you astray for sure. Yeah, I think the age thing does, does a good job, though. I mean, like Jake Fox. Uh, I, I remember Ky- that. Kyle. Ka- I'm in Kaya- Hawaii. Kayahui. Yeah, you. you- Kayahui. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know. Those guys, those guys were not prospects at the time, or they were they were old for it. So yeah, and I uh, was twenty five, twenty six. Yeah, know, had kind of grinded his way to the high minors. Not a special, not a special talent or anything like that. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, there, I mean, there are ways to to get to get value out of uh, spring training. One last thing here before we get going. Is there value to watching the games in your estimation? What are you watching for if you're going to sit down and catch some of these spring training games on MLB Network or uh, the few that ESPN runs as well? I suppose if you if you are going to go for it, I, I think that I would uh, I would look for mechanical stuff. I, I'd look for the mechanical changes and the hitters and the and the new pitches from the pitchers. I think that's that's the the I would say easiest. It's hard. To really spot them, but, I was gonna say, yeah. What if you're not adept necessarily? Well, you know, there's some it. things like Troy Tulowitzki's got the new the new leg kick, and leg kicks are ob- like obvious big things, and they can lead to more power. And it is an interesting thing that you can see pretty easily. So I think something like that would be, uh, and then uh, just even where they hold their hands or, or where, like how they set up to, to see the pitch, sometimes you can really uh, tell the difference, especially if you're a fan of a certain team and, you, and you're, you're getting used to seeing players and you can say, oh, whoa, wait a second, this guy looks different. So anything like that. But I think also you'll, be, you'll probably be listening unless you go to the games. But even if you go to the games, you know, pitch types can be hard to, to actually spot when you're live. Sure. But, uh, but in spring training, you can sit right behind the plate. And if you can sit right behind the plate, then you can start to see breaking balls, you know, all break to the glove side, uh, change-ups all break to the arm side. So if you're sitting there and you say, well, this guy's not known for his change-up, but I just saw a really nice change-up from him, then you, you, you sit there and watch a little bit and wait for change-ups and look for that. You know, uh, if you see a guy with a big step and you say, well, this guy could benefit from a lot from power, Tulo's power's been down, he's in a great stadium for it, maybe... Maybe this will be a good year for him. I mean, it's the it's a maybe stuff, and it's little little things here or there, and you should never, you know, you know, spend more than a dollar basically on this on these things. I don't on think. that knowledge. That's a great call. Yeah, the the, the value add here from either even the stats or the little things that you pick up while you're watching is a buck or two. You know, if the guy really goes off in spring and has a Chris Bryant season, you can maybe add three, three, four bucks to it. But he already had the pedigree anyway, so you're really just, you're not even necessarily paying for the spring, you're paying for the hype, uh, which again, it, it is a choice that you can make. You did almost start to mention something before you went to saying, uh, if you're live, if you are watching the game, particularly if it's the home team announcers, you can get a lot of good tidbits yeah. there. Those guys, yeah. they've got. It's almost like a, a, a the the news columns. You know, they're almost reading right off of uh, RotoWire's news bits because obviously that's where a lot of the news comes from is from the, the the team itself. So these guys have that news too. So they're giving out these little things, telling you about a leg kick, telling you about a new pitch, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, if you can watch the home team ones uh, on these, you can glean some good information as well. Anything else from spring training that that you try to utilize to to give yourself a better chance in the draft room? 
You know, I think the injury updates are interesting. I wanted to ask you your opinion on injury updates because, you know, injury begets injury. I think having injuries in spring is bad. And yet, on the other hand, like with Jake DeGrom, he said, you know, he, he, he had to step back for a second. His groin hurt. And, and, you know, he's back on the mound today or something. Uh, groin feels A++++, I'm reading, on a tweet right now. This is breaking news. Jacob DeGrom's groin feels A++++. <laughs> So, uh, so, and also, but a thing that Jake said was, I would have been out there if it was a regular season game. Exactly. And I like when they say that because generally speaking, I think that these things are so wildly overblown and it's part of the, it's a downside of the information age is that we get all of this and we treat all of it as like a red alert. It's like, oh my yeah. God, if RotoWire or RotoWorld put it up there, it must be super serious. Or not, or maybe they're just giving you the information because that's all they've got to run. And and I'm not blaming either of those sites, by the way. Yes, put that in. We want that oh. info, but we can't. People want, yeah. People want the content in the spring, and it's very hard to come up with content. So we're all exactly. grasping at straws. So there's you, definitely that. You cannot freak out. I cannot even tell you how many times, and I wish I had examples to go off of. But how many times I'm in drafts, and you see these guys get pushed down and down because of some little tidbit of injury news that. By the by, the end of the draft or the next week, two days after the draft, <laughs> that news is it doesn't even exist anymore. It is like scrubbed off the internet because it was so minor and didn't even really matter. And I think that that's the danger. So I I think you got to be really careful with the injury news and really try to assess it. And again, the same kind of situation that we were talking about um, when adding dollars, I wouldn't take too many dollars off for most of these little bumps and bruises that we're going to that you know we're, we're going to be talking about on this show too as well you know we're going we're going to talk about some of them uh you know Freddie Freeman with his wrist or whatever let's you know let's not get crazy till we see some stuff uh, particularly early on before the games even get going i think people are already ready to freak out and a lot of times that that injury news is just a little bit of news to cuz they needed something to run yeah i mean the flip side of this is we started off with some Josh Hamilton talk. And if they're saying he might miss the beginning of the season, well, yeah, then he, he's going to start the season on the DL. Obviously, that is actionable. That's a big deal. Yeah. That's a big deal, and it's actionable. And he's super injury prone. Jacob deGrom ne- never had an injury issues in the majors that we're worried about. I don't think there's any reason to just uh, freak out just because we see his name pop up. I think that's another thing, too, when it is a guy who isn't often hurt. That really freaks people out too. They're like, oh God, yeah. Degrom, he doesn't get hurt. Now he's hurt. Bump him down three spots, <laughs> or just breathe a minute yeah. and, and let him. Let's see what happens. And so, yeah, yeah. my my general uh, approach to the injury news in spring training is is to be cautious with it. I, I really try not to get too overhyped. Yeah. All right, you know, I think that's going to wrap us up. A little bit of a shorter one today coming in under an hour, but uh, hopefully you guys have been enjoying uh, the podcast so far as the season gets going. I, honestly, if I'm going to be arrogant, I'm going to say I think we're killing it. I think we're absolutely <laughs> killing it. Right now. I have no, uh, make no qualms about saying that. And uh, here's, the, here's the beauty, folks. It's only going to get better because uh, we're going to get more and more baseball information. And I'm not going to tip who it is yet because I really want to because I'm just so excited. But Eno and I are working on something for a guest uh, and, and it'll be a guest a guest episode that both of us will be on, and it'll just blow y'all's doors off. Like I, I'm gonna hype it at that level. I'm not gonna say who it is or even kind of give any real clues about who it is, but it's gonna blow y'all's doors off if we get it done. And we're really close to getting it done. We've got the link 
we've got the connect and uh, we're starting to make some plans about when to get this done. And, and if that comes through, you guys are just, you're going to lose your shit and it's going to be great. Yeah. I think that'll be really fun. And we got a sponsor. We just have to uh, actually read the, the, the ad. So, <laughs> oh yeah. I think, actually you'll, yeah. Hear the, you'll hear the ad recorded by me after this. Cause I'll just do a, I'll do a solo record uh, so that we have it that I can put into each episode. But yeah, we finally got a sponsor and I'm really excited about that. It's gonna be a sponsor that you guys like. The sponsorships that we're going to try to do throughout the season, we're going to try to be those people who like do sponsorships of stuff that we would use. You know, not not we're not just taking whatever whatever uh, stuff is being thrown at us. This is for out of the park. Uh, 16 and 17. Obviously, 17 isn't out yet, so it's going to be for 16 right now, and then 17. An amazing game. If you love baseball and and baseball simulations. Yeah, it, it doesn't really get much better. And they're MLB licensed now. They haven't been for years, but people have made rosters. So you've been able to use Major League players forever. But now that it's licensed, uh, it gets deep. Like the minor leaguers are going to be there for the historical seasons this year. And it's going to be off the charts. So you'll hear that. You'll hear our, our, our ad on that. And I mean, we are off and running. You know, it's so great that uh, we're almost about to flip the calendar to March, which outside of October – which is my favorite month because it has my birthday in it. Uh, I think March <laughs> is second because you got yeah. March Madness, you got fantasy baseball and regular baseball. You got the weather getting rid of that stupid lame winter, which is the dumbest season ever. And, uh, so yeah, drafts. I love drafts. So drafts many drafts so and fun. auctions. Draft season yeah. is great. It's great. Yeah. So. Uh, we'll be back on Friday. I know some of you are looking for the Monday episode. We're still working that out. Again, in season, it will be Monday, Wednesday, most of the time, barring something that comes up for you know or myself. But as we kind of get flexible here with the with draft season coming up and with our work schedules being kind of crazy, they're gonna it's gonna fluctuate a little bit. And so I apologize for those of you that are looking for a little bit more consistency on the Monday. At least you know you're gonna get something on Wednesdays, and then in this instance, you're gonna get another thing on Friday this week. So until no. I think it's actually I think it's okay. We haven't heard too much feedback um, about it in a negative way, and I think no, no, it's no. okay because if you think about spring, summer, there's a lot of three day weekends in there. A lot of people taking three day weekends. A lot of official three day weekends, and you know sometimes it's a Friday, sometimes it's a Monday. So I think this way we got you know flexibility to to go along with the kind of the average person's schedule as well. Exactly. Exactly. And I think with these particular episodes in the, in the off season here, uh, a lot of them have been running, uh, long, which I think is good. And that way you can kind of break them up. Some people don't listen all in one sitting. So maybe you're listening to half now and then you get that other half on the Monday when maybe you expected a new episode, but instead you got time to catch up. So, I'm super amped. I hope it's obvious that I'm pretty amped about the season coming up. Eno, have a wonderful time in Hawaii. We'll figure out uh, our recording. What time is it there, by the way? How, how's that work over there? I know it's crazy, right? It's 10.30 in the morning. So It's, a, it's actually gonna... March 18th there, isn't it? <laughs> I'm going to go uh, jump in the pool, I think. Oh, now you're just making me jealous. That's rude. <laughs> but enjoy. Enjoy the time with the family. You and I will talk in a couple days. And until then, take care. All right. See you.